Welcome back to the Venari podcast. I'm Gov Candola, and we are joined for this episode by Darren Kettle. Darren is a CEO of Metrolink, a commuter rail system in Southern California, operating over 500 miles of rail network. Darren, welcome. Thanks, Gov. It's a pleasure to be here. Good morning. Uh, it's, and good afternoon in your part of the world. <laughs> I was going to say good morning to you. Uh, a nice and uh, early start for, you, for yourself on the West Coast. And uh, in today's episode, we're going to be gaining an insight into Metrolink, you know, the effects COVID has had on the transit, along with the financial impact the Biden infrastructure bill will have for the business, given its ambitious plans for the 2028 Olympic and Paralympic Games, which, which aren't too far away. Um, so, Darren, to kick us off, do you mind telling us a bit more about Metrolink? Our, uh, our law name is the Southern California Regional Rail Authority. Uh, we provide regional rail, commuter rail to a six-county region in Southern California. Um, Los Angeles is, uh, for the most part, the hub. It's where um, a lot of our employment center is, of course, in Southern California. Uh, but Southern California is a sprawling place. We um, have 538 route miles that we provide service on and 63 stations throughout our system. Uh, we were formed um, and had our first train run um, nearly 30 years ago in uh, 1992, third largest uh, regional passenger rail system in the country. Like I've been on board for uh, just about six months um, in, my, in this capacity. I had been working for one of the six county agencies in our system, one of the transportation commissions, and so one of the member agencies of Metrolink. Um, and I, but I've spent my entire, uh, my entire career in Southern California, born and raised and uh, have been a, uh, since taking on this job, I'm also a regular writer. Uh, so I experience what our customers experience. Given the effects of COVID uh, on the wider transportation industry, um, you know, especially transit, you know, how has Metrolink dealt um, with the issue of ridership recovery? Before the pandemic, we were averaging a little over 40,000 daily riders on our system. The pandemic hit, we lost 90% of that ridership. And we're not unique. Um, you know, regional rail, commuter rail, our job is, has been and historically has been to serve commuters. Um, well, commuters stopped commuting. Um, so all of our systems uh, were impacted by that. Uh, we, um, so we lost 90% of our ridership. Um, at, uh, about the same time, we reduced our service by 30%. We continue to run uh, in the United States. Uh, we had uh, several different um, COVID recovery uh, funding packages out of Washington, D.C. That is what sustained us over these last couple of years. Uh, and, and so um, we're now in that ridership recovery mode. In April of this year, we'll be restoring two-thirds of the service we cut. Wow. Um, so we'll be at 90% of our uh, pre-pandemic levels. And then in October of this year, we'll be back up to 100% of our pre-pandemic service levels. As far as ridership recovery, uh, we did get up to a little over 30% between the, Del the Delta variant and the Omicron variant. And then Omicron came in and sort of uh, took the wind out of our sails through December and January. So we're now back into that recovery mode again. We're just about um, close to 30% of our, our ridership uh, pre-pandemic. So we have a long way to go. While public transit has been hit obviously hard by, uh, by COVID and loss of ridership, the regional rail systems, commuter rail systems, took it the hardest. Our bread and butter had been monthly passes. We sold monthly passes to all of our commuters. Well, if people are only having to commute into the office two or three days a week, in the future, we darn well better change our model and not just recognize that we're gonna be able to have that, that one revenue stream that we always could count on those monthly passes. We're gonna get creative in how we bring riders back. And that'll be really pivotal to our ridership recovery. And to look 
not just at new fare media and that type of thing, but looking at new markets. We're a commuter railroad. Well, we're going to drop the word commuter and we're going to say we're regional rail. We're going to do leisure trips, those types of things to try to capture uh, new markets. And that's not an easy thing to do in Southern California, where we still have this major love affair with, um, with the car. Yeah, it's just going to be essential being creative. Um, but we are seeing, obviously, you know, the signing of the infrastructure bill, which is going to have a huge impact uh, on transit, but also sustainable um, mobility throughout the country. Um, you know, in terms of the bill itself, you know, and any expansion plans, you know, Metrolink have in mind, what effects will this have for the business? The 538 miles that we operate on, we share those tracks in many ways we own them or are under our control, but we also work with two major freight railroads in California, in Southern California, as well as Amtrak's Pacific Surfliner that runs the coast. So um, what we see is this is just great opportunity. The, the, the bipartisan infrastructure law increased funding to the Federal Railroad Administration by almost 500% as compared to prior years. This is a massive investment by the, by the Biden administration and by Congress in, in rail. And um, you know, we're, in a, we're in a position because we've done a lot of groundwork over the last five to six years to have projects ready to go to allow us to increase our capacity. We think about infrastructure in our world and we always think about tracks and signals and grade crossings and that type of thing. But another big part of infrastructure, another big part of capital is the you know, those, those, those things you see behind me in, in my background, those locomotives, we are the first regional railroad in the world um, to fuel our entire fleet, those locomotives with renewable diesel. Non-petroleum diesel is now fueling our entire fleet. And, uh, but going back to your original question, you know, we're positioned very well to take advantage of the, of the bipartisan infrastructure law because we have a number of projects that are ready to go. We've been working with the state of California that also has a budget surplus um, where there's this very strong push of that administration recognizing California's climate change objectives to get people into rail. And so I think we're gonna be able to take advantage not just of the bipartisan infrastructure law, but also um, this uh, substantial budget surplus in California. Yeah, and obviously you know this huge investment um, and this push for sustainability leads on to my next question. What is SCORE? SCORE is um, a $10 billion infrastructure package that Metrolink started its, in its sort of the very earliest stages about five, six years ago to build out the infrastructure for rail um, in the Metrolink system over the course of the next 10 to 15 years. So that includes new station improvements throughout our system, double tracking, additional platforms at stations, um, all with the intent that throughout our system, um, that 538 mile system, that we have the ability to have um, half hour bi-directional frequencies for our, our entire network throughout the day. One of the challenges in our system is we still have a lot of single track. And when you have single track, it makes it really, really difficult to have um, frequency and reliability in your system. And that's really the name of the game in the passenger rail industry is frequency and reliability. And we're, we struggle with that. So SCORE is a $10 billion program to make that happen. Um, we have about the first two and a half billion already in our, in, our, you know, in our budget moving forward over the course of the next uh, four years. And the good news, again, is between the state of California's budget surplus, as well as the bipartisan infrastructure law in the United States at the federal level, um, the, the, we always stressed over whether we had the resources, whether we had the financial resources. Well, right now, there are resources for regional rail 
more so than there have been in over 50 years. It's a, it's a real, real win for all of us. It certainly is. And, you know, yes, it's an ambitious plan, um, but with the Olympic and Paralympic Games just around the corner, it's very much needed. Uh, and with that in mind, you know, how do you see Metrolink being part of the success of the Games? The, um, well, the, the LA bid when it was formed was, um, was founded on the fact that mobility for spectators was going to be all around public transit, um, primarily because the venues throughout Southern California um, are not going to, they're not going to allow um, spectator parking. So our transit systems in Southern California are going to carry the load. And if you were to look at a map of our network and, um, and you saw the six county region that we serve, from a public transit perspective, we are the backbone system. So again, whether you live in any of those outlying counties and including for that matter, Los Angeles, um, our system will be able to get to a number of the other venues that are just by, by one transfer. So um, that's the key to success and mobility in Southern California come 2028 for spectators. And it's really kind of a mandate for us. So um, myself, um, the chief executive officer of LA County Metro, and two others um, that are um, that are part of that we're, we're part of what's called the, the Games Mobility Executives to develop a mobility plan that can serve the 2028 games. Whereas in 1984, Southern California just told people to stay home. Um, we, it wasn't, you know, unless you were going to an event, you were told to stay home. And, and because of that, the Southern California's notorious traffic wasn't a problem in 1984. I don't think we had that same luxury in 2028. So we have to have public transit be a success. Well, look, it's an exciting time to be part of Metrolink. And Darren, thank you again for sharing your insights. Thank you, Gov. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for uh, having me on, on your podcast.